Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. There are so many challenges involved in the college process, including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I'm Sally Ganga, and I'm filling in for Beth Heaton, the regular host. Here in Connecticut, fall has finally arrived, um, but really just today, it seems like I finally had to get my coat out of the closet, and unfortunately, with the coat came my fall cold. So I do apologize in advance for sneezing, coughing, or sniffling. Um, Now on to today. For my second segment, I'll be talking with Julia Jones, a veteran college coach consultant and former high school counselor who has helped many, many students apply to college. Today, she's here to discuss selecting your college major with me. Afterwards, I'll be talking with Lauren Randall, former admission officer at Georgetown and former high school counselor about supplemental essays for Lehigh University's admission application. If we have time, we'll segue into Lafayette's optional question as well. But first, I'm welcoming Jean Mahan, a college finance consultant here at College Coach and former senior financial aid officer at both Tufts University and a community college, which I'm going to let Jean tell you the name because I'm pretty sure I'm going to mispronounce it. It's something like Quig Sagamond. (laughs) Quig Sagamond. (laughs) Okay. So Jean is here to discuss how to complete the CSS profile, which is a very timely topic. So welcome, Jean. So how do you say the name? of the community college you worked at? It's, it's Quinn Sigmund. Quinn Not Sigmund. Not as bad as yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, actually. Okay, now that you say it's that, that actually makes some sense. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. <laughs> All right, well, so let's go ahead and dive right in because I think, I mean, I'm actually talking to a lot of families right now who I unfortunately have to disappoint them and tell them they need to talk to someone with a background in finance, and they are asking about the CSS profile. So let's let's start out just by maybe you can tell me what the CSS profile is. Sure. So uh, the CSS profile is a supplemental application that about 200 colleges, universities, and scholarship programs require. So every college is going to require the FAFSA. That's a given. But then these 200 other colleges and scholarship programs will require submission of this. And the reason they do this is they're trying to determine a family's eligibility for need-based financial aid. The schools that use the profile tend to be private schools for the most part. There's a very small number of public universities that use it. And the schools tend to be on the higher tiers. Um, They usually have more institutional aid to offer and devote more of their institutional dollars to financial aid programs. So what they're trying to do is determine which families have the most need and award their institutional dollars, scholarships, grants, and maybe even some low-interest loan programs to those particular students. A lot of times families will look at the questions and say, you know, how can they get away with asking all these questions? And, you know, my answer is pretty simple. It's the college's money, and they can ask anything they want when determining who they're going to give it to. So a lot of families find this form a little bit intimidating just because of the length of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that kind of brings up my next question, which is how is the profile different um, than the FAFSA? Yeah. Okay, well, first of all, the major difference is the form with a cost. 
the FAFSA is free. I mean, that's the first word, free application for federal student aid. But the profile charges families $25 for the first school to which the information is sent and $16 for each additional school. Um, as I said, not every school is going to use it, and there's a good chance that on your child's list, you know, if they're applying to eight or ten schools, that there may be a few schools that don't require it. Another big difference from the FAFSA is the amount of information that you're, you're asked to report. So the FAFSA has about 100 questions. The profile has about 300. So definitely will take a little bit longer to fill this form out than, than it does to fill out the FAFSA. The FAFSA requires only information from uh, the custodial parent in cases where there's a divorce situation. But a large majority of the schools that use Profile will require the financial data from the non-custodial parents. So that's a huge difference. Um, a lot of families think, oh, well, you know, the non-custodial parent isn't going to be included. But for many of these Profile schools, yes, you will be required to report non-custodial parent information. Um, similar to the FAFSA, the, the form uses the prior, prior year tax data. So if your child's applying for um, school for the 18-19 school year, you're reporting on your income from 2016, and that's the same on the profile. But the profile takes it a couple of steps further, and they're at, they ask parents to um, kind of report on 2017 income, and that's a little difficult because we haven't quite finished out the year. But they also ask you to estimate 2018's income, which is even more difficult. Um, so it does, you know, stretch you a little bit more than the FAFSA does. Um, the, the family contribution that they compute will be based on 2016's income. Um, but it, this estimating your 2017 and 2018 income does help them to see if there's any variations in the annual income. So maybe this year... You know, you work in a position where you get um, a bonus or you get some kind of sales compensation and your income was highly inflated and that's not typical for you. So they can see that if you're reporting on your 2017 and 18 income. Um, let's see. What else makes it different? Uh, well, you can make corrections to the FAFSA online, um, but you can't correct a, a profile once it's been submitted online. You need to submit your corrections in writing to the individual schools that your child's applying to. So that's another big difference. Um, the profile also asks families to report the equity they have in their primary residence. Uh, the, the FAFSA form does not require that. And um, so the 300 or so questions on the profile, some of these schools will also have supplemental questions. So if you're registering and you put down, say, Boston College and uh, Stanford University and Washington University in St. Louis, it's possible that those schools may have a few additional questions that only they'll get the answers to. Um, it seems crazy when you think about there's 300 questions, aren't they get the, getting the answers they need? But no, in fact, they, they may have a few more. Um, so uh, let's see. As I said, they're customizing those forms. Um, those questions are going to depend on the school asking them. And I've seen questions that ask about the types of cars that, that the family owns or leases, um, whether the family has consumer debt and how it was incurred and whether the family pays private school tuition for any siblings, whether the parents have property or other assets in another country, and whether the parent is repaying their own education loan. So they, it does ask for quite a bit of information. I'd say carve out two to three hours on a rainy weekend afternoon to fill out this form. Mm -hmm. I do want to stress, by the way, that 
um, I mean, this you may be addressing this later, but some of this information can help you. Like I, I have worked at colleges where private school tuition was considered a legitimate expense and might up mm-hmm. your college uh, financial aid. So I just like to make sure people know this isn't used against you in, in all right. cases. It can be used in your favor. So you, you're really, right. yeah, you should definitely cooperate, basically. Right. <laughs> And it yeah. also gives you a, a place to indicate any special circumstances you have. So maybe there's a, a upcoming job loss in the household. You know, you've gotten a layoff notice, your job ends at the end of this year, or maybe you've got a child with special needs and you you pay a lot for extra educational opportunities for that child, or you have a lot of out-of-pocket medical expenses. And there is a place on the profile that allows you to um, report that information, and you don't have the opportunity to do that on a FAFSA. You do need to submit a separate letter to the schools. So, you know, you're right. There is there is an opportunity for schools to look a little bit more in depth at the different pieces of your income and see if there are, you know, changes from year to year. So, personally, as difficult as the as people think the profile is, I personally like it because I think it gets to the real heart of a family's financial situation. So, mhm. Mhm. Is there one particular question that seems to hang parents up on the profile? Oh, yes. I get this question every year that um, there's one question that asks about how much parents plan to pay toward, toward their child's college costs. And it seems like such a weird question even to me since you're supplying all this information so they can tell you how much you're going to pay. So it seems like an odd question. But the schools are just trying to gauge how much the family is planning to pay. We recommend that families provide a reasonable figure, but one that might be a little lower than their expected family contribution on the FAFSA. Um, if it's too unreasonable, you know, if you make $200,000 and you say you're not going to uh, apply anything towards your child's education, that's pretty unreasonable. I mean, the schools know how much you make, so they're expecting to see that you can contribute some reasonable amount. Um, we've heard instances, though, of schools where maybe a family has said, you know, we can put $25,000 to our education and the school's contribution was only coming up at 20 and they might use that higher number. So, you know, again, it's probably better just to reduce it a little bit, but still make it a reasonable, a reasonable amount of money. Mm-hmm. Do something okay. that's doable for your family, but it's not insultingly low to the college. Right, right. Okay. All right. So what do you recommend parents do to prepare to file the profile? Mm-hmm. So as I mentioned, it's a long form. It takes a few hours. It's not impossible. Um, I always recommend the parents review the questions before they start entering data so that they can see what documents they'll need to have handy to complete the form. Usually you're going to need a minimum, your 2016 tax return, a w, you know, your, all your W-2s, financial statements, mortgage statements, and values of any other assets such as second properties, if you own a business. Um, the good news is you don't have to complete the profile in one sitting. You know, you can do some of it and take a walk around the block and come back and, and do a little more, save it, work it a little bit on, on the next day. Um, but just make sure you're always saving your data so you don't have to start all over again. And this year they have a new feature where they do have online chat so that if you do have a question, um, you can go into a chat room and hopefully get the answer that you need um, to be able to uh, answer that question. 
And I just want to put in a plug, too, because we're, we do have a presence on social media, and my colleague, Robert Robin Stewart has been um, doing a series of profile tips every week on Facebook. It's uh, every Thursday. So the most recent one was um, posted today. It's uh, tip number three, um, and it's about, you know, number in the family, which sometimes trips people up, especially if they have maybe an older child that recently graduated or they have a graduate student that they're helping through grad school. So definitely want to put in a plug for Robin's um, profile tips, really good, quick information that that um, our listeners can get by just uh, liking our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every, I'm going to put in a plug for that too. Everybody should follow the Facebook page because there's great finance information. There's also great information on answering college application questions. I mean, everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All yeah. right. Well, thanks so much, Jean. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Great to be here. Thanks. Thanks. All right. So we're going to take a short break, but when we get back, we'll be talking to Julia Jones about selecting your college major. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. As I mentioned before our break, now we'll be speaking with Julia Jones about choosing your college major. Welcome, Julia. Hey, Sally. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. So for, uh, you know, late October, uh, (laughs) you know, in in terms of our our workload, obviously, it's a busy time of year. 
Yeah, for those of you who are listening, just so you know, this is uh, uh, late October is like being a, an accountant in the beginning of April. That's uh, this is our busy time. So yeah. Uh, all right. So in regards to our topic, like I would say that one of the questions I get, honestly, the most often is my and I, I get it from parents who have kids as young as eighth grade. I mean, this is, you know, I mean, m- more yeah. often from, you know, children, you know, uh, parents of children who are in, you know, 11th or 12th grade or even in their first year of college, but really early. And the question is, my kid doesn't know their major and I'm panicking. What do I do? Are they at a disadvantage yeah. in the admission process? This is a crisis. So how do you, <laughs> what do you tell them when, uh, when you're confronted with this question? Sure. And, and I get it too. It, it is probably one of the more common questions for sure. And, and I agree. It's often, you know, it's definitely the earlier, you know, sort of that panic, I guess, you know, it's, it's the one thing that they're saying. They know college is in the picture, but they're like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Um, I mean, my, my first response is, okay, it, it is way too early to be distressed. Um, because the reality is you don't have to know what your major is. Certainly not when you're in seventh grade or eighth grade. And actually not even when you're in 11th grade or 12th grade or even that first year of college um, in some cases. So, you know, it, it's, uh, I know that sometimes that feels a little counterintuitive to parents and, and to even to students of thinking, well, I got to go to college for something. Um, but, but I think it's sometimes that, that idea that I have to have it all figured out so early on um, is, is definitely, is, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't work. And if we all look back to when, you know, God, if I think about what I wanted or what I was doing when I was 15 or 16, um, yeah, I had no clue. And, uh, um, and I've done pretty well, but, you know, instead of really focusing on education and doing, you know, doing a job that I love for so long. So, um, so I think it is, I, I do think that, you know, part of it is just, you know, to take a breath there. It, it, it's, you know, there are a lot of reasons why it's, you know, you don't have to have it all figured out. And, and in some ways, high school and college is a way to help you figure that out and to you know, help you really focus your interest and determine what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I actually think that's a great point that college is a really good place to figure these kinds of things out. So yeah. what like what are some of the steps, though, that students can take? Like maybe let's start with steps that students can take, you know, as early as ninth grade in high school if their parents are, un, you know, if they're undecided. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to be decided, but what are some things they can start thinking about? And then let's kind of segue to what college students can do as well. Sure, sure. Well, I think part of it is also, you know, thinking about, you know, you don't necessarily have to know what you want to major in or what you want to, you know, even even do for a living after college. But, you know, most students have, you know, at that point, they know, okay, what are what are my talents? What am I good at? What do I? What are the classes that I love? Um, because that can sometimes, you know, help to to determine um, what direction you're going to go into. So obviously, if you're, you know, if you love math, if if you know you eat, sleep, and breathe, kind of solving calculus problems, um, you know. <laughs> You know, that's that's a direction, and there are a lot of different fields and a lot of different majors that can correlate to that. But but at least that's a starting point. Looking at what your interests are and where your where your strengths are, that's obviously going to come into play in how you choose your curriculum for high school as well. But um, but that's a, a good starting point, and not just focusing on academics either. Um, I, I think that it's uh, you know choosing a major can sometimes um, you know come uh, t- you can start to look at what do you what do you like to do in your free time what are the things that you're drawn to 
You know, are you, are you very involved in service? Do you like the arts? Are there, are there things that, again, may not necessarily um, relate directly to a major, but might at least give some idea of what you, you know, what you enjoy now? Obviously, what your, your interests are can, will, you know, may continue, and that can help you, you know, to find some direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, one of the stories that I most like to tell is about a friend of mine, and he's he's one of my wealthiest friends, you know, came from a family that didn't have any money, but has done very, very well for himself. So that's one criteria of success, not the only one, but one. And he, you know, he was a he was a good student. He was a smart guy, and he was a good student, but he wasn't passionate about it. But what he was passionate about was um, music. Now, he couldn't play an instrument to save his life, so that wasn't it. But he loved, like, music and pop culture and things like that. And so early on, he thought, you know what? I want to work for a record company. I want to... I want to identify new talent. I want to, I want to get involved with these things. So when he went, so he managed a band as early as high school. And when he went off to college, he actually um, volunteered very early on for the student activities board. So he became the person who was working with like, you know, the bands that came. So he started talking to the people at the record companies to bring Mm -hmm. bands there. And, you know, he uh, and he parlayed that into an internship at the record company and then into a job there. And, uh, you know, he's like a prime example because he even told me that he majored in economics because he thought it was more practical for business. But he actually (laughs) said later, you know what, my science fiction literature class was actually one of the most apropos to what I ended up doing. And I should have just majored (laughs) in English, which I thought was amazing. So so I love that story. It's kind of like how people can... You know, something like managing a band is not something that most people who are going to college think, oh, this is going to get me started on my career. Right, right. It's true. It's very, very true. I think that, you know, when you think about, um, you know, kids who love sports, you know, and even if they don't, they're okay, it's the reality, the, the likelihood of you actually going and, you know, becoming a professional, you know, basketball player is, is pretty limited. But, you know, some students have that interest and, yeah, there's a, a way to, to manage it or, or to, you know, or even if, if they also like, you know, they have an interest in, in writing or, or communications, I think there's, there's a way to sort of take that into more of a journalism, um, you know, aspect as well. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, um, careers and majors don't always correlate. Um, and, and you don't, you know, I think sometimes, um, you know, parents and students have to think about a career and then, you know, okay, how do I get into the major that's going to be best for that? And with a few exceptions, um, you know, like engineering and nursing and some, some fields where you, you know, if you want to become a nurse, if you want to become an engineer, you have to, you, may, you usually have to major in that area. In most other cases, what you major in doesn't necessarily have have to be, you know, connected directly to a to a career choice. So um, it's uh, you know I use I use journalism as an example because I know um, one of the institutions where I worked at Brandeis, um, where I was an admissions officer. You know, liberal arts college. We had you know for years and years. I, I remember always students saying, "Well, why don't you have a journalism program?" It's, you know, it's a, um, and and you know we did create kind of an interdisciplinary program a few years, um, you know, after I graduated, but it was. You know, the reality was that it was interdisciplinary, and, and the reason it was not a major was because they, the, even the, the faculty were saying, you know, look, if you want to write about something or talk about something or, or um, in today's you know, world, blog, 
talk about something, you have to know something first. So, you know, if you study political science or study um, chemistry or study uh, sociology, and then you have something to work with that's going to then, you know, propel you, whether it's going into business or going into, in, you know, into, into uh, you know, that, uh, any, any field, um, working for a nonprofit, working for a tech company. So I do think that that's, it's, you know, major is, is sometimes almost confused with career um, path and it's, it's, they're often two different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the, one of the uh, more interesting statistics that I've seen came from a Chronicle of Higher Education survey that I know you're familiar with as well. Mm-hmm. And they talked about how you really don't need to major in, in business to go into business because business right. is actually the most flexible possibly yeah. of the majors, probably along with communication. Um, right. So I, yeah. think, I think that's it was, yeah, it was, interesting it and important Stanford, to know. I think, and like, I think it was about 17% of the students who were getting an MBA from Stanford, did, you know, came, did, had a business background. That's it. So um, it's, it's, you know, you can, you can really, you know, have, have a major. And, and I think if you were to look at, at, you know, CEOs or, um, uh, you know, any really successful folks in, in, in sort of finance or business, I, you know, what would be really interesting is to see what their background is. And I bet you're going to find a, a huge range of, different types of majors and backgrounds and very few will will actually have been in you know getting getting a degree just in business or just focusing on that mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's interesting and too how rarely students think to take advantage of the people around them and ask them yeah. what they majored in you know they ask what they do and then they figure they have to major in something related to that um yesterday I was on the phone with a young woman who wasn't sure about her major, you know, had gone to college and dropped out after two years because it, she just wasn't doing well. Um, she'd enjoyed the college experience, but hadn't enjoyed her classes. And what she was really enjoying was working. She was working retail. She was doing really well. And so I, you know, she enjoyed the process. She enjoyed working with, I mean, she really, it was like the best thing she'd done, um, mm. you know, in her eyes. And so I said, yeah. well, have you talked to any of the people in management you know, you're probably not going to want to be junior level forever because you don't make enough money. But, but have you talked yeah. to the people in management about what their background is? What college degree did they get to get where they are? And she said, well, no. And I said, well, <laughs> right. I would take advantage of that. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, yeah. you found something exactly. that you clearly enjoy. So what path did these people take? Um, right. You know, yeah. yeah. And you know, I believe and, and even further, do they have some have kind of a training program? I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I would go one step further. If you're going to have that conversation, and, it, and it's also as a person, you're talking with someone who, who actually may hire for that company or may look at resumes, you know, ask, have, have a conversation about, also, what do you look for? You know, what, what's jump, what jumps out at you? Um, I guarantee you, again, it's probably not going to be, I'm um, looking only for, you know, for accounting majors. <laughs> it's going to be, you know, a little bit more about what you've done outside the classroom. What are some of the things that, um, you know, what, what practical experience you've had, you know, so, so I think that that, that too is, is really good advice of just, you know, talking to people in the field that you might have an interest in and getting, getting the, a little bit about their background and also what they might as an employer be looking for. Mm-hmm. I'd like to kind of think quickly about the other side of the coin too. Like I talk to a lot of students who say, I want to go into finance. You know, I live in Connecticut. There's a lot of people who work in the finance industry, either here in Connecticut or maybe they take the train into New York every day. And so their kids say, I want to do finance. And then, you know, I talk to them about, well, what are your strongest classes? And some of these students are really not very strong in math. Um, and math is the key skill that you're going to need for a finance program. And when I tell them that, it's always really disappointing. And so I've kind of 
shifted the way I do it to saying, you know what, I'd really recommend that you look up and see what's required as part of a finance major because I'm looking at it and you have to take very advanced math courses. And so I tell them some of the requirements and there's usually this kind of silence for a moment at the other (laughs) end of the phone. Like somehow they didn't realize that finance was going to include this kind of math. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I really recommend that students actually, everything's on the internet now, like go to the web and look at the classes that you're going to have to take. I think that's an important thing to do. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's and that can be a really good way of determining. Yeah, I mean, if you, you especially because I do think in high school, again, unless you've had a chance maybe to take an elective or two, um, but that's not always you know um, necessarily the best approach, and it's not always something that I think students have the option of doing. Some high schools offer more robust electives and, and different things, and others don't. So you know, you may not know what finance really means, and as you say, you know, it's it's very math related, um, so math heavy, obviously. But it's yeah, looking at the courses if you know. Do those do the courses that are posted, you know, in the descriptions of the courses, you know, do they, you know, make you jump up and down and go, wow, that looks really cool? Or, you know, are you like, oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I think that can be a really telling way. It's not, uh, you know, it's, it's not meant to make you panic, but it just may mean, okay, you know what, maybe um, maybe I need to sort of take a step back. Um, and, uh, and, again, most in most cases, the first year of college, that's kind of what it's about, too. You do not have to, you know, in many cases, most cases, you don't have to, you know, have it all figured out or have it apply. You can be undecided. Um, and uh, and I think most colleges understand that, you know, their their core curriculum is based on giving students the opportunity to take courses in different areas, explore under, you know, and help you to decide how to, how to declare a major. I think typically at most colleges you have to declare a major by the end of your second year. Um, but uh, so, so you definitely have time even when you're in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out. without a doubt. And so you bring up, I mean, in addition to kind of trying out um, these different classes, right, in your first yeah. in your first year, either because you're required to or if it's an open rec- curriculum, just to try out mm-hmm. courses that you may not have thought that you enjoyed. Um, you know, what are some other ways that you can think of that students might start to narrow down on a major? I mean, a kind of classic example is medicine, right, where mm-hmm. a lot of students major in science, but you don't have to, but there are science classes that are required. You know, let's right. say a history major wants to be pre-med down the road. Uh, I know this isn't really a, a major question, but a lot of people think pre-med is a major, so I think it's worth it to discuss here. Like, how should sure. someone find out if they might be interested in becoming a doctor, for example? Right. Right. Well, I think yeah. I mean, and that maybe go, goes you know doing doing some research or doing some even you know finding ways to shadow um, or you know any kind of experience. And that's again we talked about it earlier. Going back to your network, if you know you know if you have someone in your family or friends who who might work in that field, you know, ask to spend a day you know if you can. Um, and in some cases, you know, for pre med, part of it you know the uh, most pre med programs are are kind of designed to weed out you know all but the most serious of students. Um, um, it's, you know, you have to, usually the starting point is, is sort of organic chemistry, which is, uh, um, I was not pre-med. I had a lot of friends um, in college in, that, in my freshman year who were pre-med, and um, so through them I lived vicariously, <laughs> whether I liked it or not, you know, through, the, through Orco and, and uh, um, the, the perils of that. And so that often weeded out a lot of, a lot of, of uh, you know, me, students right off the bat who all of a sudden very quickly realized, yeah, this is not, this is not the direction I'm headed. 
Um, so, and again, by fresh, freshman year, that's kind of the point. It's not too late. You have time to do that. But, you, you know, again, looking at and understanding what, you know, what, what medicine really means. It's not, um, you know, and, 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 you know it, it can mean a lot of different things. So, so trying to, to get a sense of that, whether it's volunteering in a hospital or, um, you know, or, again, talking to people who are in, in, that, in that world. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I just want to make sure people know that orgo is organic chemistry. I think a lot oh. of people who yeah, have friends who are pre-med are going to know that, but just in case. But I do, right. I want to say too, there is really time to switch. I mean, I'll use my brother as yeah. an example. He's a... Um, He's an astrophysicist. I mean, people think that's something that you're going to know right from the beginning. And I think most of the time it is. But he, mm. it's actually a pretty funny story. He got, he got to college. He'd planning on, he planned on majoring in journalism. And then he found out that UC Berkeley does not have a journalism major. At least it didn't back then. And um, But he really enjoyed a physics class he was taking. And so he thought, maybe I'll do this. And, you know, you know 20 plus years later... Um, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's working at, you know, in France at the Collège de France, you know, so, yeah. um, as a yeah. tenured faculty member. So it's pretty, you know, they, like just one of the yeah. things I like to stress to parents is kind of, it's okay. Let the process happen. Like do try and expose yeah. your students to different things. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the research, yeah. etc. business fraternities, you know, but like, but don't stress, yeah. there is time for all this to happen. Exactly. And you can hear story after story of that. And, and, you know, I think also, and this is where I think my, I know my liberal arts background is showing a little bit is that, you know, again, you can do almost anything with any major. And so don't be scared of, you know, I'm, I, I'm reminded of my best friend from college who, you know, started thinking she was going to be a chemistry major, not necessarily pre-med, but she loved science, you know, had, had that sort of, um, you just loved it. And, and again, for her, again, that first, those first couple of classes in chemistry really did not, um, you know, all, she just really was not as excited as her philosophy class that she just took, you know, to fill a requirement. And she kept taking more and more. And all of a sudden, you know, she'd had, she changed, you know, completely and graduated magna cum laude as a philosophy major and was an English professor, um, uh, ended up as an English professor after going to grad school for that at Texas A&M. So, you know, it can be, you can, don't be afraid of the liberal arts either. You can do a lot with a philosophy major, more than just teach even. You can do, um, you can do a lot with an English major. And so I think that it's, uh, um, you know, that's, that, that's the other piece that, that I want students to really, you know, feel feel comfortable with um, as they as they start this process. Yeah, without a doubt. And I'll just leave you with um, the fact that a friend of mine from college, who was a philosophy major, now works in the computer industry in Austin yeah. and does very, very well. So, yes, it's much more flexible than people realize. All right. Thank <laughs> you so much, Julia. Everyone, thank we're going to take a short break. But when we get back, Lauren Randall and I will be discussing the Lehigh University prompts, followed by, if we have time, the Lafayette optional question. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. 
Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says, yes, Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. In this segment, Lauren Randall and I will be discussing the Lehigh University essay prompts, and if time allows, we'll also be getting to Lafayette's optional question. Welcome, Lauren. Hey, Sally. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. I'm happy to be with you. Uh, I'm very happy you're here, and I'm happy. I mean, I I really liked it that we picked Lehigh, and honestly, part of it is because these essays always drive me crazy. Like, I don't know why <laughs> Lehigh's questions in particular, they change them all the time. I think they're better than they used to be, um, but they still kind of drive me a little nuts, though. So I'm really looking forward to you helping me unpack them. So, um, so just so people... Yeah, so just so people know, these are supplemental questions. You only have to choose one um, of the following three prompts that we're going to discuss. So you only have to do one of them, and it's only 250 to 300 words. Um, So let's start with option A. Lauren, do you want to read over option A and kind of dive into what it makes you think about? Sure. Yeah, definitely. So like you said, there's, there's one of three. The first one is, what about Lehigh peaks? your intellectual curiosity. So I think, you know, this is, this is somewhat of an easy one because they're, they're, they're telling you specifically on what they're looking for. Um, This is not necessarily just a widely high essay. I don't think you can write only about the school's spirit or um, how beautiful the campus is or that you love the surrounding area. That's really not what they're looking for. The, the point here is what gets you excited and passionate about studying at Lehigh from an intellectual standpoint. It's really about, you know, what, what is it about that university, the academics, maybe I think you could do the student body um, as well. We can talk about that, but but what is it that gets you so excited from an intellectual standpoint? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you could talk about academic offerings, but don't talk about it from a career perspective. I would say talk about it from it's really exciting to me to study history because these core, you know, because I love the subject and these these courses that you're offering look great or the opportunity to do this kind of research, you know, piques these particular questions for me. That kind of absolutely. Thing. It, it, it's that that word curiosity. It's not necessarily career. Like, whoa, I want to do this. I want to be an, an engineer because I'm going to make a lot of money. No, mm-hmm. they want to know about you as a problem solver, as a thinker, an intellectual. Um, and I I totally agree with you. You do need to align whatever whatever topic you're going to discuss with what's offered at that university. Um, so again, it's not just a why do you want to major in philosophy. It's, it's why is philosophy at Lehigh going to be the most intellectual, stimulating uh, endeavor of your entire life? I mean, it's that kind of passion um, that you're talking about through professors or research or specific course offerings um, that, that really highlight you know, what gets you going with, with that major. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do want to make it clear that you do need to give some details here. You know, you can't just say I'm intellectually curious about this. You know, you. this is just, I mean, it, it's important in all essays to show, don't tell. But I think that you okay. do need to show that you are an intellectually curious person. Obviously, you only have 250 to 300 words, but, you know, make, you know, use those specifics to demonstrate, yeah, what, what gets you going intellectually. Absolutely. Definitely. And I would also say, uh, in a similar vein, you could also use an anecdote from your intellectual life to get you going. So if you're going to say... You could, let's say, um, you know, if you want to talk about being in computer science or you want to be a history major, okay, that's fine. But maybe you start off by telling us how you uh, taught yourself to code or you um, devour presidential autobiographies. So get a sense of that intellectual curiosity already. But then we got to bring it forward. We got to connect it um, to those opportunities that you'll then have at Lehigh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because they are saying the first part of the question is, what about Lehigh specifically? Exactly. So always, always read the question carefully. Like, there's no doubt about that. I, this is one of those questions where I tell students, like, even if you're the least nerdy person in the world, you need to access whatever tiny little part of you is nerdy and let it out. This is what they want. This is your nerdy moment. Like, what about you is nerdy? You know, if if you don't like the term intellectual, I mean, you should use it for this essay, but think of it as what are you nerdy about? What do you just think? This is really awesome. And your friends are like, that's so dorky. Like, this is yeah. the time to talk about that. Yeah. I had a yeah, friend who was a I think, physics major. One more, who, I would add to, one more thing I would add to that, though, is that um, it could be a concept as well. So maybe you aren't a history buff or, uh, you know, a philosopher, but maybe you do see yourself... Um, as a as an inventor or an entrepreneur or a, a social justice warrior, so more of a concept. I think that's pretty cool, and I think you could relate that or connect it to the experiences that you'd have academically and intellectually at Lehigh. So, mm-hmm. you know, how does your thinking within that that concept or that self identifier? How does it? How is it going to be pushed to new horizons? And I think that's where, you know, you could potentially, if you don't want to only do the nerdy academics, um, the details of specific courses, I do think maybe you could talk about um, experiential learning or the community of, of, of thinkers that you'll find there. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, who are you going to, what kind of conversations are you going to be having in the dorm late at night? You know, I think that absolutely counts as well. All right. All right. Good. So let's, let's move on unless you have anything else that you want to cover there. No, no, no. I think that covers it. All right. Great. So let's move on to option B. Okay. Option B is what does the idea of the quote Lehigh family mean to you? So Lehigh family, I think this one's actually harder than it sounds because I think it pushes students towards the obvious um, or, or the easy, the most accessible. And there's a lot of universities out there that have really strong communities that feel like family. Um, I think that's kind of a common theme or feeling that a lot of um, campuses and, and schools will talk about that their campus community feels like a family. Um, so you need to differentiate Lehigh and explain why you think that the Lehigh family is uniquely fitting for you. So I think this is actually harder than than it might might sound. Mm-hmm. I agree, actually. I mean, I think also that I've seen um, the word family kind of thrown around a little too much. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my soccer team is my family. My, you know, the people who I work with at, at Dunkin' Donuts are my family or, you know, whatever it might be. And that's not to say that that can't happen, that your soccer team can't be your family. But for an essay like this, you'd want it to be pretty convincing. It's not just that these are people who you know and like. It kind of goes beyond to these are people who you form bonds with, they support each other. You know, what is it that makes a family? And think about whether that really applies here, not just that you spend a lot of time together and you like each other. Yeah, and I think that to that point, that's why this is really challenging because they're saying you have to know something about the Lehigh family without having been part of it yet. So if you're going to talk about this awesome, engaged alumni community, well, how the heck do you know about that specifically? You know, what proves that to you? You know, it's not enough to say that the Lehigh community has tons and tons of school spirit. Well, a lot of places do. You know, how did you feel that specifically before you ever became a Lehigh student? So you've got to back it up. Otherwise, I feel like you could replace Lehigh with any other number of schools to talk about the sense of school spirit or an awesome engaged alumni community or the, the sports team. You know, you're not there yet. So what, what proved it to you? What, what examples or anecdotes do you have to, to back that up? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, I, was, I think my, I, my, my point of bringing that up is that Perhaps a better way to go about this is to first start um, by discussing specific values of a family or community that does that that does matter to you. So start mm. with what you know. Um, I think that might be more convincing. So, like you said, if it was a soccer team or or your work community, well, then con- connect that to the values that are important to you about that community that you then specifically found at Lehigh. So again, you know, if you're going to say, you know, I'm this social justice warrior, I'm an entrepreneur, well, then what did you find when, when you went to Lehigh or researched it or talked to people about the Lehigh family that aligns with those same sort of uh, concepts that, that you say you value? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. 
See, I, I knew it was good that I talked to you because that's way more than I would have gotten out of that question. So I think that's excellent. Um, yeah, any, I think, anything I, else I, to... I think it's a hard one. No, I, yeah. I think it's a hard one because um, it's asking you to know something that you haven't been part of yet, really. Yeah, I think probably the students who can answer that most successfully are people who, you know, have family members who are graduates, basically, and so are part of the community in some way because of that. Um, sure. It's going to be not impossible for everyone else, but more challenging for sure. Yeah, I think uh, it's just take it take it to a deeper level than the obvious, the, than the school spirit, than the great alumni connections you'll make. Um, and but if you're going to state that, you have to back it up with examples. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to option C. Okay, option C. It's a little bit longer. Lehigh values inclusive leadership where students make decisions, take action, and contribute positively to their communities in ways that are purposeful, socially just, and built on integrity. What does this mean to you? So I, I love this one. I think that it... Um, it, it has a depth to it. They're trying to to dig deeper into what you care about, but I don't want students to forget that this is still, you know, at the essence of every single supplement, there, there's an element of why Lehigh. So it's not mm-hmm. just what does this mean to you, it, it's, it's how does this also connect to you as a Lehigh student. So first of all, leadership is obviously a key word here. But if you, if you only just rattle off your resume or your list of accomplishments, you really did miss the point of this prompt. And, and I think the point here is it, it, it's, it isn't simply to discuss what leadership activities you've participated in. It's to really take a stance on what leadership, and particularly that word inclusive leadership, means to you and based on your experiences or what you hope to see um, from leaders or, or the type of leader you want to be. So mm-hmm. how do they act? What did you see or how did you demonstrate those, those values and, and those, um, those particular skills of, of including others, of, of building community, of changing those uh, situation of those around you? Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's a depth to this, but it's also then connecting it to to the next steps in in your life, perhaps, or as, particularly as a Lehigh student. Yeah, I think you do. I think you have to imagine yourself at Lehigh fostering um, Lehigh being a socially just community, like very specifically, like maybe even mention what you've done something that you've done already, and then what are you going to do at Lehigh to keep that going? You know, like this exactly, might be a place. Exactly. Yeah. Like this might be a place where a student who's been involved in the Gay-Straight Alliance or something could talk about that involvement and maybe wanting to bring it to Lehigh. I mean, that's just one example, right? Or a student who, um, like I worked with a student um, from a local high school, and he was very involved in the anti-bullying program that they have there it's a really great program they have like this big um they have a big assembly every year and like you know he speaks at the assembly he's the, he's actually like this very handsome athlete as well so i think a very compelling person within the community and so him taking this big dance against bullying and then living it out in the rest of his life he's the kind of person who i think could write an amazing essay here but it doesn't 
it doesn't have to be that big. Like this is a guy who's done some bigger things, but I think you could probably talk about it in smaller ways too, right? Oh, absolutely. This does not need to be uh, I already cured cancer sort of level. I mean, this is, I think, small, meaningful contributions to a specific community is truly valuable. Um, and and they want to know what that experience has meant to you. And I think that that's a building block, all the more reason why you can say, this is where I'm going with my, with my potential. Um, this is who I want to be. These are the steps I've taken, and I, I need Lehigh to foster it. Um, and, and what are you going to leverage once you're there? How is your the community you already impacted, how is it only going to grow? You're going to grow as a leader, but the changes that you'll make in, the, in a broader community potentially um, you know, could, could really be significant. And I think that's what they're, they're digging for. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's very, this is the kind of thing where I think a lot of students might look at communities and just talk about community service. And I want to mm-hmm. say that a service is a fine place to start, but again, take it to how are you sort of changing? How are you trying to, um, yeah, take action beyond just community service? Ideally, is what I think they're looking for in this question. I think just performing service is a place to start, but maybe imagine mm-hmm. yourself doing even more once you're at college. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this could be you're impacting one other person at this point and, and sharing that, but but you it still demonstrates inclusive leadership. Um, yeah, I think this the scale is not the relevance to this prompt. It's it's the, the value set that, that you are describing that they're trying to better understand and how that's, mm-hmm. again, aligned with Lehigh. You have to find it in Lehigh. If you leave it as, well, I've got this all squared away. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I elect me president. I'm done. <laughs> you know, right. if, you're not growing at, if you're not growing at all, you know, what's the point of, of saying, of answering this prompt of, of, uh, for Lehigh specifically? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I actually, um, just so you know, we only have about a minute left, but um, I actually think that's a really important point. Like, you don't, you're a high school student. You're not expected to be perfect. I think as uh-huh. much as anything else, they want to know that you've maybe thought about this a little bit, right? Even if you're not perfect at it, you're not hugely accomplished at it, but you've thought about it. Like, that's why they're asking, what does this mean to you? If you've accomplished something, great. If you've just done it in very small ways, great. You've still thought about it and you're still thinking about what that's going to be, what that's going to mean to you once you get to college and how that's going to influence who you are as a college student, who you are as a member of your dorm and of the classes that you're in, for example. Exactly. It's, it's the care, the integrity, the value behind it, not necessarily the accomplishment at this point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, great. All right. Well, um, we have to go now, but thank you so much, Lauren. Absolutely, Sally. Thank you. Okay, and thanks to all the rest of my guests today. Now I want to tell you about our show next week, hosted by my colleague, Beth Heaton. She and a guest will be discussing the benefits of honors colleges at large state universities. She'll also be speaking with one of our finance consultants about what to do once you've submitted the CSS profile and the FAFSA. Finally, I want to remind you that you don't have to listen to our shows live. Every show is accessible 24-7 on the Voice America website, and you can also download every show for free on iTunes. If you check out the archives, you'll find last week's show on filling out the FAFSA, 
and many other topics as varied as how to know when you're ready to submit your application or how to make your extracurricular activities stand out. And if you like our show, be sure to rate us on iTunes. It only takes a moment of your time. It's absolutely free. Last, don't forget, we're here every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. So check us out. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week. We'll be right back.